0: Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is the
1: chapter that deals with giving us the instructions for the newness of life. Romans 6, starting verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not That so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, in other words, put out of action, put out of business, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, for he that is dead is freed from sin, But if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord." Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as the instruments unto God, of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that to whom ye you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, being then made free from sin. You became the servants of righteousness, servants of righteousness. So we see in verse four, where it says there in verse four, it says that you should also walk in newness of life. Those are the words: walk in newness of life. What's walk? What's a walk? A walk is a series of steps. I take a step. I take a step. I'm walking. Because I'm taking steps, a walk is a series of steps. And in this chapter, it tells us the steps to walk in newness of life. That's why it's important for us. So we're told in Colossians 2, verse 6, Colossians 2, verse 6, it says, As ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So this verse describes, in Colossians 2, 6, it describes, first, our receiving the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. That's one part. But the next part of this verse says, now there's a walk. There's a walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the question is, what are the steps? What are the steps in the walk of the newness of life? Our first step in our walk in the newness of life is described in verse 3, in Romans chapter 6, verse 3. It says, know you not, that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. We've just heard that sung, that he drank the cup of poison that was overflowing. Our first step is to be united with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death. And that's described as a baptized into his death. You know, it's not just a knowledge that he died, but there is a unique union That we have when we are united with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death. This is to not just know the truth, this is to embrace the truth that he died in our place. He died in our place for our sins in order that we might not die. He took the punishment in our place for our sins in order that we may not be punished. Just like the song said, he drank the cup that was overflowing with poison. He paid the price of our sin. He paid the price in our place for our sins in order that we might have to we not have to pay for our sins. So to take the first step for us is to, it brings us into a union, being united with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, and that results in a liberty from the penalty of our sins. It, it results in a freedom from the penalty of our sins. Step one. But second step in the newness of life, and that's described in verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. You know, the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's such an integral part of the gospel. And it's so often overlooked as the gospel is described as, well, the Lord Jesus died for you and was raised on the third day. And the burial is just skipped. But the burial is important. It's very important it's so important that Paul says, let me tell you what the gospel is in 1 Corinthians 15.3. 1 Corinthians 15.3, he says, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried. You have to stop there. The burial, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Burial speaks of the grave. The grave is described in Scripture as cruel. It says in the Song of Solomon, verse eight, chapter eight, verse six. Song of Solomon eight six. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The burial of the Lord robbed death of its cruelty. It robbed death of its cruelty to us. The grave is described in Scripture. As a victory, it's a victory. The burial of the Lord Jesus Christ robbed death of its victory. It robbed the grave. It robbed death of its victory. Isaiah twenty-five eight. Isaiah twenty-five eight. He will swallow up death in victory. First Corinthians fifteen fifty five. First Corinthians fifteen fifty five. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So to take the second step is to be united with the Lord Jesus Christ in his burial. Because when we are united with the Lord Jesus Christ in his burial, we are made free from the cruelty and the victory of sin, which is the grave and which is death. We are liberated from the cruelty and the victory of sin. And the third step, the third step in our newness of life walk is in verse 9. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. And then verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey the lust thereof. You know, when we get these words in this chapter, such as dominion, in verse 9, death hath no more dominion over you. Later it says, death de- de- hath no more dominion over us. See, the word dominion is used in verse 9. It's got an image to us, dominion. And then when we read in verse 12, the word reign. Well, who reigns? Kings reign, rulers reign. Let not sin, therefore reign. In your mortal body, see, sin and death are personalized here as a ruler, as a king. And for us to stop the reign and dominion of sin over us means that we have been given the power to to see that happen. And we must do that. How do you do that? How do you stop the reign of sin? How do you stop dominion from having control over you? It comes as we set our minds and set our hearts, and set our wills against the attempt of sin to occupy the throne of our hearts. This is not teaching here that we lose our sinful nature here on earth. No, that will happen when we go to heaven. But it does teach that sin must not have dominion over us. Romans verse 14 here, sin shall not have dominion over you. We have the power We have the power to make sin submit. We have the power to give up its dominion over us. But it requires us to determine that sin is not going to rule, that sin is not going to reign over our hearts and our lives. So to take the third step in the walk of the newness of life is to be united with the Lord Jesus in his death and also in his burial and also in his resurrection. His resurrection, to be united with him in his resurrection is to be liberated from the reign of sin. But this third step of our newness of life walk, it also is described in verse 13, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. See, to yield ourselves to God That's the enthronement of God. This is the enthronement of God in our lives where we hand over our total personality to the authority of God in our lives. That means that we see ourselves as having the control and we hand it over to God. I remember when I dedicated the building down in Takati. there, I told everybody, I said, you know, on this day, I have the title deed, To the building. Actually, in Mexico, the title deed is like a book, you know, but anyway, it's still. And I said, When I was 19, I had the title deed to my life. And when I was 19, it was so real to me, I gave the title deed to my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's handing over a personality to God. And in the same way, I said, I took this building and I'm going to hand over to God the title deed of the building. We must do that. To yield ourselves to God is the enthronement of God in our lives, where we hand over our personality to the authority of God in our lives. That means our eyes. That means our eyes to use to see what He wants us to see. That means our ears. Our ears, we hand over our ears to God to hear what He wants us to hear. That means our lips. We hand over our lips to God so that we say what he wants us to say. That means our hands. We hand over our hands to God so that we use our hands for what he wants us to use our hands for. means our feet, where we use our feet to go where he wants us to go. To take that step of being united with the Lord Jesus Christ in his resurrection is to enthrone God and to put under God's authority our all for us to obey him. This makes up the life of dedication. That's what the life of dedication looks like. The dethronement of self and the enthronement of God. And the fourth step, the fourth step in our newness of life walk is described in verse 7. In verse 7 where it says, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. You know, it's very interesting in this verse because the word form, the Greek word form that's in this verse refers to a cast. It refers to a mold in which molten material is poured into so that it can take the shape of the mold. It can take the shape of the cast. We are likened in this verse to molten material molten material and the doctrines when it says in there you have obeyed from the heart that form that cast that mold of doctrine so the doctrines and the truths in the bible that's the mold that's the cast and we are to pour ourselves into that that mold of the doctrines and truths in the bible so that the doctrines and truths of the bible shape our lives they shape our lives notice how in verse 17 how we are called to obey from the heart Obey from the heart that form of doctrine. See, to obey from the heart that form of doctrine means that we see ourselves as being molten and we are being poured into the truths and the doctrines of the Bible so that these truths, these doctrines form what we become. They form what we become. How do you do that? To take this fourth step in the newness of life walk means that we have to see the doctrines and the truths of the Bible as the mold that we pour ourselves into. It doesn't just mean learning, learning, learning. Cool, there's a step farther than that. It's good to learn the Bible. It's good to study the Bible. But then to take a step further to pour ourselves into the truth and the doctrine. I learn about organic chemistry, which unfortunately I had to many hours a day when I was at UCSD. But I didn't pour myself into. See, I learned all about it. But the Bible's different. We learn about the Bible so that we can pour ourselves into it. What's that look like? Well, the doctrine of the deity of Christ should be a mold that we pour our lives into to make us submit to the Lord Jesus Christ because he's God. The doctrine of the reality of hell should be a mold that we pour ourselves into so that our hearts can be broken for every lost sinner because we know that he's going to hell and that's terrible and we poured ourselves into the doctrine of the reality of hell and it affects us. The doctrine of the reality of salvation should be a mold that we pour ourselves into so that we preach, we preach the gospel to every lost sinner that we come in contact with. We will do that as we pour ourselves into the doctrine of the reality of salvation. The doctrine of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That should be a mold that we pour ourselves into that will result in us having this tremendous hope, tremendous hope to the end of our lives of his coming. The doctrine of the intercession of the saints, the doctrine of prayer should be a mold that we pour ourselves into and we give ourselves to pray and put our heart into prayer. See, we'll be formed by either the mold of the doctrines and truths that are in the Bible, which is the image of God. That's the image of the Son of God. That's the image of God's Son. This is a blueprint for the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be poured. We will be formed. We will be changed. We will become by either the mold of the doctrines and the truths in the Bible or the mold of the world, which is the, the image of the devil. And we choose... That's our choice. We choose which mold we're going to be poured into. And that's why it's told to us in Romans 8.29, for whom he did foreknow, he also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. God has, wants us to be molded into the image of his son, that he, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 12.2 tells us, don't you pour yourself into the world and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The truth, the truth of God, the truth in the Bible, it not only frees us from sin, but it molds us to be like Christ our Savior. And true obedience must be based on doctrine. True obedience must be based on the truth and the word of God, which is why we preach, which is why we expound, which is why we explain the word of God. We live today in a day of superficial preaching. And we need to come back again to the word of God, back again to the word of God, back again to the word of God to understand Bible doctrine and truths so that we can pour ourselves into them and be molded by them. Because obedience is meaningless unless it's according, unless it's based on the Bible truths and doctrines. And when we pour ourselves into the mold of the doctrines and the truths of the Bible, we obey from the heart that form of doctrine. And that will result in a life of holiness. As it says in verse 9, servants to righteousness unto holiness. This is God's call. God called out to the people, and especially those that minister the word, in Isaiah 52, 11, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Holiness will result in a life of fruitfulness, as it says in verse 22. And now being made free from sin, become the servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness. This is not so much a fruit of activity. Oh, look, I have this, you know, I led this one to the Lord, I led that one to the Lord. Look at all this fruit. No, this is a fruit of character. It's a fruit of character. God is far more interested in what we are Rather than what we do. If what we are is not what he wants, then what we do is of no interest to him. Fruit unto holiness is the life of the Lord Jesus Christ coming through our personalities in terms of love and joy and peace and long suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and self control. Fruit unto everlasting life as it says in Romans 6, 22, verse 22, and now being made free from sin and become service to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. That will result in everlasting life. Wherever the Christian goes, there should be life. Wherever the Christian goes, there should be life, life, life. That's what he meant when he said in John seven thirty eight, he that believeth into me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So to take this fourth step for us of being united with the Lord Jesus in, his being, in, in, in us being formed by his mold of the Bible doctrines and truths, that results in us being liberated or made free to a life of holiness and fruitfulness. This is all that's meant to be united with the Lord Jesus Christ in a walk of newness of life. And this walk has four steps. The first step, united with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death for a life of freedom from the penalty of sin. The second step, united with the Lord Jesus Christ in his burial for a life of freedom from the victory of the grave. The third step, being united with the Lord Jesus Christ in his resurrection for a life of freedom from the dominion of sin. And the fourth step, United with the Lord Jesus Christ by being molded into his image as set forth in the Bible, truths, and doctrines for a life to be free, to be holy, and fruitful. And the question is, will you, will I take these four steps right now? Life begins with these four steps. These four steps are the beginning of walking in the newness of life. And the question is, it's up to us, are we willing to be united with the Lord Jesus Christ in this. Now, will we say to God, now, come into my life. Take over my life. Through my body, express your own life as I take these four steps in the newness of life walk. God said to Abraham in Genesis 17:1, walk before me and be thou perfect. The question is, will we say, I will walk before you, God. I wanna walk before you. And the four steps of the walk of the newness of life. Taking communion, that's your personal statement. That's my personal statement of a heart desire to be united with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death. Taking communion is my personal statement. It's your personal statement of a heart desire to be united with the Lord Jesus Christ in his burial. Taking communion is our personal statement of a heart desire to be united with the Lord Jesus Christ in his resurrection. Taking communion is our personal statement this morning of a heart desire of wanting to be molded into Christ through the Bible doctrines and truths. It's our personal statement of a heart desire to be dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Join Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown at the Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference happening in San Diego on Friday evening, February 9th, and Saturday morning, February 10th, at the Creation Museum in Santee, California. Learn from great Bible teachers like radio host Tom Cantor from Friendship with God, as well as world-renowned Jewish evangelist Ray Comfort, radio host Dr. Michael Brown, director of Jews for Jesus Israel, Dan Sered, Friends of Israel field director Steve Herzig, Pastor Leo Giovanetti, and many others cost for this two-day conference is only $25, which covers all speakers, food, and materials. So register today to hear Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown, Jews for Jesus, and Friends of Israel on how we can reach the lost people of America and Israel on February 9th and 10th. Call us at 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com, ReachIsrael.com.